0: It's time for Thriller Thursdays, here on the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
2: Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing... Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack, and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective.
3: The name's Justice. Jack Justice. A lot of people will tell you that a little learning is a dangerous thing. They do not say it with the intention of discouraging you from learning anything at all, in spite of the fact that in order to learn a lot about anything, you first must learn a little. No, they say that a little learning is a dangerous thing in order to encourage you to know more than a little before you open your mouth. I have found through unscientific but extremely sarcastic survey that few of said quoters realize that the line is from Alexander Pope's essay on Criticism that even fewer could tell you that the other half of the couplet is drink deep or touch not the perian spring, and that approximately none of them are aware of the dripping pools of irony forming all around the place every time they sound off on the subject. Dangerous it may be, but little learning abounds in this big city, my friends. Having said all of that, Pope was onto something here. If only people would proceed with caution when they were hopelessly over their heads, they could probably save themselves an awful lot of trouble and trips to see their local private detective... Which was almost certainly not quite what old Alexander was on about either. That's okay. The Rape of the Lock wasn't nearly as filthy as the title seemed to promise, and schoolboy Jack had yet to forgive the poet for that. If all of this seems like it must surely be at least somewhat beside the point, you'd be right. Because there are some folks that, no matter how much you tell, you just can't learn them. And this is the story of one of those times. It began, as most things do, On a foggy morning where the girl detective and I were doing our very best to annoy one another. And largely succeeding.
1: Do you have to do that in the office? Do what? Do what? Are you serious? It's 10.15 and you've already given up on the day and started washing socks.
3: I haven't given up on anything except dirty feet.
1: Don't you have a house for that now? With a washing machine and an attentive spouse?
3: Why on earth would I waste her attentiveness on socks? Besides... Nothing beats wash basin fresh.
1: It isn't like it's the middle of the afternoon or anything.
3: And what would that have to do with anything?
1: A client could walk in at any minute. A
3: client is no more or less likely to walk in at any given moment of the day. Yes, they are. No, they aren't. They could walk in at any time, regardless. Excuse me, is this Jack Justice Investigations? You see? As if to prove my point.
1: Jack, you idiot, that doesn't prove your point, it proves mine.
3: Well, as long as I've proved something. And shut up. Uh, Have I come at a bad time?
1: Not at all, sir. Please, come in. Forgive my partner. He's only the most annoying man in the world.
3: She has been whistling Moonglow for three and a half weeks.
1: That is not true. Liar!
3: You've whistled it six times straight through already this morning. You alternate between whistling Moonglow and berating me.
1: Please excuse him. He's an idiot with a sock fixation.
3: Perhaps I should come back
4: later.
1: If it be not now, yet it will come.
3: Uh, I'm sorry? She means that later we might actually be a whole lot worse. We aren't actually throwing vases at one another, so no time like the present. Uh, won't you sit down, Mr... Clyde, Terrence, Clyde. Of course. Will you have a cup of coffee, Mr. Clyde? Oh, no, thank you, sir. I... Excellent choice. Here you are. I am Jack Justice, and the shrill harpy of the gumshoe set is Miss Dixon, who will no doubt insist that you call her Trixie.
1: It would be ever so nice.
3: Well, that is... I don't... Why don't you take a nice deep breath and begin at the beginning? Uh, the beginning of what? Exactly.
1: Something more than idle curiosity must have brought you to our door, Mr. Clyde. The sooner you let us know what it is, the sooner we can begin to help you.
4: Oh, no, Miss Dixon.
1: Trixie, please.
4: Trixie, then. I'm afraid you misunderstand me, both of you. I, I don't have a problem. Well, that that is, um, I don't exactly have the kind of problem that you imagine. Well,
3: I don't know. I'm imagining quite a few.
4: Hmm. uh you see i'm um, i'm a writer
3: i will admit that was not on my list
4: moderately successful i suppose in a in a very small way as as these things go but some some short stories you know carried in the slick magazines poetry published in a number of anthologies a play recently workshopped here in the city as a possible trial for a production in mr L- Clyde yes
1: that is quite enough exposition thank you it is time for the protagonist to make his entrance
4: but but surely I—I. I she am means the, get to the point. Oh the ah uh, oh ah yes I take your meaning. Uh, I have been working for quite some time on a, a novel, of course. Of course. It, it, it is a tremendous challenge and one that is not lessened by my periodic need to keep the the wolf from the door.
1: By which you mean he
3: occasionally has to hold down a job.
1: I knew that. I wanted him to say it.
4: You're a strange girl. A necessary evil, I suppose. Man must eat, but it quite breaks me out of my rhythms. And so my agent hit upon the happy idea of my producing some more commercial work under under a pseudonym, of course. Of course, he he suggested that there was a tremendous market for works of um,
1: detective uh, fiction. Yes. Oh, good.
4: I I have a plot laid out. I'm 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 terribly good with that sort of planning. And and I went to the pictures to pick up the 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 lingo. You see what I did there. <laughs>
3: Yes, you're very hard-boiled. I may swoon. And where do Miss Dixon and I enter this little one-act farce?
4: I find that uh, what I lack, Mr. Justice, is any, any sense of the methodology of the private detective at work, the moment-to-moment progression. Go
3: try and do the puzzle while someone whistles Moonglow at you. You'll have all the nuances.
4: Well, But I thought... Mr.
1: Clyde, it may appear otherwise, but we are at least occasionally very busy people.
4: Well, yeah, I, I thought that perhaps in return for the consideration uh, of a nominal fee, I might uh, accompany you, ride a- along, take in The atmosphere of some of your adventures?
3: Stop him before he interrogatives again.
1: Mr. Clyde, our clients, when we do have them, expect a degree of confidentiality. We can't have a raconteur following us along, chronicling everything for the Strand magazine.
4: Actually, the the Strand was more... uh, It was a
1: literary allusion. Ah... As much as my partner and I like to assist the lively arts wherever we can, we simply could not possibly... If I
3: may interrupt for a moment.
1: In all of these years, I have never been able to stop you.
3: Except for the one time when you shot me in the toe. Except
1: for that one time, yes. (laughs) So many memories. I'm sorry, was there something else you wanted to say?
3: There is a phrase that I have recently heard that I am unable to stop from rattling around in my head. I wonder if you might guess what it might be. Nominal fee? That's the one.
1: Yeah, I was feeling it myself.
4: You two don't sound like the pictures at all, you know. We get that a lot.
1: Exactly how nominal a fee are we discussing, Mr. Clyde?
4: Uh, I beg your pardon?
3: How many clams are we talking about here? Oh,
4: <laughs> that's, that's more like it. Mm. I, I thought perhaps I might uh, tag along for a week at, say, $10 a day. $10?
1: That's
4: the the best I can arrange, I'm afraid, and the bulk of it is made up of an advance from my agent. Forgive me, Mr. Clyde, but it hardly seems worth our
3: time or yours. Oh, but Mr. Justice... Many is the week where Miss Dixon and I do nothing but stare at the clock and hurl abuse at one another.
1: Or we might become embroiled in a case that bears no resemblance to the one in your book. Uh, What sort of case is the detective in your story working on?
4: I fear it might be a bit too racy...
1: I am quite racy, thank you.
3: I can produce affidavits to that effect.
4: Well, my detectives are embroiled in, in a in a messy divorce case, the kind that forces them to, to take pictures of an indiscreet nature from seclusion.
1: Truly, your grasp of the lingo is magnificent.
4: Well, from there, the plot widens and, and spins out of control, and I, and I feel quite confident with my outlines to see me through that. But but those opening scenes lacked a certain authenticity.
1: I'm not sure that we can help you.
3: I think we might just be able to. A thought occurs. If you were to take your week's worth of sitting around doing nothing at $10 a day and roll it up into one concise, focused ball of research, you would have exactly enough to engage the firm of Justice and Dixon, private investigations, to launch a genuine simulated stakeout on your behalf and show you firsthand exactly what is involved in the endeavor such as your fictional sleuths find themselves embroiled.
1: We aren't going to have to keep talking like that, are we?
4: And, and you would do this for
3: $70? Factoring in all expenses, $70 just ought to cover it.
4: You would show me exactly what is involved?
1: We would let you practically do the whole thing yourself.
4: Well, in
3: that case, how can I say no? Congratulations, Mr. Clyde. You have your junior detective learner's permit.
1: And so it came to pass that the community sock wash was abruptly postponed, and we took our most unlikely apprentice under our wings for a little simulated snoop and peek. And as long as you're pretending to peek in someone's windows, why not go the whole nine yards and actually peek in someone's windows? We knew an architect named Simon who sometimes worked late and often told hilarious and wildly inappropriate stories of the people in the apartment across the street who never closed their blinds. It was perfect. It took one phone call to set up and a trip downtown to pick up a key. Of course in the meantime we had a full day with a house guest who needed to be entertained. We showed him such fascinating bits of minutiae as our standard contracts, our receipt book, the coffee pot, and our case files, which of course turned into a parade of old war stories, many of which you've already heard. He seemed oddly fascinated and made copious notes. Jack showed him how a detective disassembles and cleans his automatic, which Mr. Clyde watched, dewy-eyed like a kid looking at a Christmas tree. And the whole thing took on a strangely nostalgic bent Terrence Clyde clearly felt that he was receiving spectacular value for his money, which we were pleased to deliver as we remained steadfast in our belief that we were actually ripping him off. At last, the blessed hour of nightfall was upon us, and we shook our tails to our appointed rounds and the make-pretend stakeout therein. Of course, we didn't actually call it a stakeout. That was a cop word. But Clyde was thinking of calling his masterpiece stakeout, or possibly "stake-out" with a hyphen, or the stakeout. He discussed the relative merits of each potential title at length, but I couldn't tell you what he actually said. Anyway, the long and the short of it was that we decided to humor him. We had a key to Simon's office, but I picked the lock anyway, much to our client's delight, set up our poor old camera equipment for Clyde to play with, pointed it at the window of the accommodating couple across the way who had yet to make an appearance, and I settled in to kill some time with Jack in a deck of cards in spite of the fact that he cheats and I have never been able to catch him at it. Jin. Oh, for corn's sake! Swear
3: properly or don't swear at all.
1: One of these days I'm gonna figure out how you do that. Do what? That. H-
4: how do I know when something is going to happen?
3: You don't. Stay alert. You do know the objective of Jin Rummy, don't you? Who, me? No, her. It just occurs to me that I'm not sure she does.
1: Drop dead, ape.
3: Oh dear, the light just went on. One wishes to form sets of three or four cards of the same rank and runs Shut up.
1: I say shut
4: up. Uh, A man and a woman just came in. That is an excellent beginning.
1: One of my favorites.
4: I don't hear shooting. Shooting? Oh, but they aren't doing anything yet. You can't wait
3: for the good bit. Sometimes once it gets started, you can't see anyone's faces.
1: And sometimes the light goes off and everything gets a little less admissible in divorce court.
3: Ah, I see.
1: <laughs> my point is, is that you're a filthy cheater, and when I figure out how you're doing it, I intend to shoot you.
3: I don't hear enough clicking.
4: Your client is paying for the film.
1: These aren't art shots. What they lack in style, they make up in quantity.
4: They, they're, um, um, uh, they seem to be... undressing. Again,
3: an excellent beginning. One
1: of my favorites. I've
3: heard that. You can't write about this later if you don't look at it now, Mr. Clyde. Yes, of course.
1: And also take pictures. Click, click.
3: Would you like to know my secret? Who, who, me? No, her. Oh, my goodness.
1: Your secret? Yes, please would you tell me your filthy cheating secret, you filthy cheater, because I am simply dying to know.
3: Oh, my goodness. My filthy cheating secret is that I am a much better card player than yourself. Oh, my word.
1: Oh, come on. There's no great skill involved here.
3: You think that. And this is why you lose.
1: Oh, my. Drop dead. Who, me? No, her. I mean, him. Something's happening. I gathered from all the cooing. Uh,
4: second man just came in the room.
3: Another excellent beginning?
1: I'm not even going there, because it's none of your business. Oh my...
4: Oh my goodness! Oh my word!
3: Oh my... That sounded exciting.
1: Yeah, I admit, I'm a little curious.
4: Well, my hat goes off to the both of you. Who, me? And her, yes, and... I I don't know how on earth you arranged that, but it was very believable.
1: What exactly are we supposed to have arranged precisely?
4: Why, the murder, of course. I'd have sworn that those two people were really killed right before my eyes.
2: You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheatre.com.
1: Well, my friends, this was not good, and it was not good for any number of reasons. The first and most obvious was that two people were dead, and if I seem blithely unconcerned with that, it's due in part to the fact that I never so much as laid eyes on them. But that was also the problem. For us, we had practically been sitting right on top of a murder, and we knew even less than we usually did. It was bad, and there was only one thing that could possibly make matters worse. So
0: let me see if I've got this straight. Sabian, please. No, no, Justice. Such masterful detective work. It's the only way I'll learn. Ah, Christmas. So you two were sitting here with your camera set up and all your equipment here in an office that you broke into.
1: I told you, we have a key. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Nelson, did you check that key in the outer door? Um, yeah, I did, Lieutenant. And? it doesn't
4: fit.
1: What? That's impossible. Did you give
4: him the right key? Of
1: course I gave him the right key. Well, it
4: doesn't fit the lock, so whatever key she gave me isn't the right one. Isn't that
3: interesting? Can we please have someone other than Nelson verify this? No offense, Nelson. i taken. I'll show you what fits in what lock. Take your shoes off first. What? You heard me. You think I'm going to bolt?
0: I do not, because it's freezing out and you won't be wearing any shoes. This is ridiculous. Yes, but your socks smell wash basin fresh. Always the gentleman. I'll be
4: right back. Uh, excuse me, sir. Yeah? What kind of name is Sabian, actually? What? I just wondered, uh, from my research... Comanche Indian, what the hell is it to you? Mm Mm-hmm, and if I could just uh, posit a follow-up question... Mm Mm-hmm, which is... Really?
3: That key fits the lock perfectly.
1: What? Nelson!
4: Really?
3: No. Sorry, Nelson. I just didn't have the heart. You gave him the wrong key.
1: I gave him the key that Simon gave me. Well,
3: then Simon gave you the wrong key. I think it might be the key to his apartment, which is either a Freudian slip or one of the least subtle come-ons in history. If I could raise an interesting
0: point...
4: How did they get in here without a key? Nelson? Yes,
0: Lieutenant? Did you just step on my line? Don't step on my line, Nelson! Sorry, Lieutenant. Go find out if our pigeons are downstairs yet.
1: I picked the lock. You
0: picked the lock. Yes. For an office to which you believed you had the key.
1: Yes. But then it turns out you did not. Also, yes, but it isn't my fault.
0: So you could sit here and take dirty pictures of a complete stranger who you don't know.
3: Unlike all of those complete strangers that we do know. This is an interesting
0: point, but let us remember that it is you who is the stupid one. And why is this? Because only a total moron would invent a cover story this idiotic! Sabian! I want to know who it is you're working for, who you're trying to protect, and why they had you cantered across from Julie Marconi's apartment!
3: Julie Marconi? What, did she invent the radio in her spare time?
0: Yeah, she's also dead. Anything else you'd like to make fun of? Her hairdo, maybe? No, I thought she looked quite nice. Yeah, well, a lot of guys would agree with you. A lot of guys, according to the neighbors. She entertained most every night, sometimes more than once. A couple more often than others were bringing some of the leading contenders down.
1: You think it was a lover's quarrel?
0: You tell me. Who was paying you to watch the apartment?
1: Sabian. And were they
0: interested in Marconi's activities or those of her gentleman caller, whom we have yet to identify?
1: Sabian, we told you. We're working for Mr. Clyde.
0: That's true, actually. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. The book Writer? Oh, well, yeah, yes. So tell me, Mr. Book Writer, what books have you written? Well, that—that that is... Where uh, might I have come across the works of Mr. Book Writer, the client?
4: Well, I, I have three poems in the Aubergine Press Winter Anthology. Perhaps you've seen it? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got us a subscription down at the precinct. <laughs> now, that is interesting. I, I didn't know they did subscriptions. This is... Beyond a doubt, the stupidest cover
0: story I have ever encountered in the whole entire history of everything ever! <phone> Sabian! <rings> okay. Okay, good. Keep them there and keep them away from each other. No! Not even see each other if you can help it. Good. <laughs> All right, stupid stories notwithstanding, you might be of some use to me tonight after all.
1: Oh, you silver-tongued devil. Don't
0: start. We got two of Miss Marconi's semi-regular bows downstairs. Just two? She was a busy girl. But maybe one of these fellows didn't know that. And maybe he's our shooter. I'm gonna have to confiscate those pictures. Pictures? Yeah, the film. Whatever, don't get technical. Your mystery client is going to have to live without them. Our client is right here. Shut up!
4: I am writing a mystery, though.
0: I said shut up! You clowns may have bumbled your way right into a murder investigation, but you're going to close it for me.
1: Sabian. Don't
0: start with me, Dixon. Don't give me any soap about the sanctity of your client. The only thing keeping you out of the who's tonight is the fact that your book writer here was clicking pictures
4: of a homicide in progress. Right? Who, Me? Yes, you. He was Uh, clicking. He was definitely clicking. Weren't you clicking? I, I was clicking. I was certainly clicking.
1: Yeah, he was clicking. So
0: give me the film already.
1: Yeah, about that.
0: Oh no. What? Yeah. What? Why?
1: Why what? Because there was no need. There was no divorce case. It was a pretend divorce case. So what?
3: So pretend divorce cases get pretend film in the real camera.
1: Because real film costs real money. Oh,
0: Christmas. Fine. Fine! As much as I do not relish having to hear this story related to a judge, Mr. Bookwriter, you are now a material witness. I am? A a witness? You saw the actual commission of the crime, did you not? Well, yes, I did. And I suppose you are the only one that did.
1: Yes, Jack was busy cheating at cards.
0: By being much, much better at gin rummy than her.
1: Liar. Cheater. Cheating liar. Enough! I don't care at all.
0: Listen! Bring our boys up separately. One by the elevator, one by the back stairs.
1: What do you mean? Who is
0: this? Thank you. Bookwriter saw everything. He can finger our shooter. I can what? You can tell us which of our suspects is guilty,
4: if any. How could I do that? You look at him! You saw the murder, right? Yes, but... uh, But what? Well, when the young lady took off her, um, uh, when she started... To the, uh, My glasses, um... Oh, and... sweet, merciful Buddha, don't say it. They fogged up. I I took them off. I, I couldn't swear in court that you didn't shoot Miss Macaroni, Lieutenant Sabian. Marconi. Not
0: Macaroni. Yes, that too. If I have to explain any of this to a DA, I will book the whole pack of you on so many misdemeanor charges that you
4: will quite simply be... How is that possible?
1: It's Nay or he'll always say.
4: I don't think I followed any of that. Okay.
0: Okay. Here's what we're going to do. You are all going to shut up and keep. Shut it up. You hear me? Not one word.
4: At all. Lieutenant, uh, we have Mr. Zarnetti and Mr. Abercrombie. Uh, Which one do you want first? Nothing? No little A to Z cuteness? At
0: all? Everybody all zipped up? Fine. Who's closest? Uh, Zarnetti's right outside. Send him in and keep Abercrombie
4: out of sight until he leaves. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, Okay, step right in here, uh, Mr. Zarnetti. What is this?
0: This is a murder investigation, Mr. Zanetti. Or it would be one if we hadn't already solved it. So I guess I can go? We both know darn well you can't. See, turns out you weren't the only one that suspected, Miss Marconi, of extracurricular activities. This is Mr. Justice and Miss Dixon of Justice and Dixon Investigations. Perhaps you've heard of them. I haven't had the pleasure. No, you didn't. Because someone else was having it, and you didn't like that, did you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, Julie was a good girl and fun to be with, but she got around and I knew it. I got no time and patience for a girlfriend who's looking for anything exclusive. I got a wife and a full-time mistress to keep amused, too. Can the song and dance, Oh, See the camera? See the angle? The private dick's got the whole thing on film. Then I repeat. I guess I can go. Have it your on Eddie, You're only making it harder on yourself. Get him out of here! Get
4: your hands off me. I got my rights. Uh, Lieutenant Sapien, you're a genius. Are you talking? Why is he talking? <laughs> By catching Mr. Zarnetti off his guard, you caught him unawares. He, he knew that his paramour, Miss Marconi, was the murder victim, but you never said that. You simply said it was a homicide investigation. Uh Uh-huh. You don't think he
0: picked it up from being dragged down to his girlfriend's place and watching cops and coroners pour out of it? Or maybe from being picked up for questioning in relation to the murder of Julia Marconi? Maybe a little technical hints like that? Well, uh... uh, Maybe you are just dumb enough to be a book writer. Mr. Abercrombie, is it...
4: Yes, I... Oh.
0: Yeah. Oh. You get what's going on here, don't you? These nice private eyes and their very nice camera were on the job tonight. Turns out you weren't the only one with suspicions about your girlfriend. I wasn't... I didn't... I... I never knew. I... I thought she was the one. Mr. Abercrombie, have you been advised of your right to remain silent and your right to an attorney? Have I... uh, Yes. Yes, that's... That's all right. Uh, If I... If if I made a statement, would it... uh, I wouldn't like anyone to
1: see those pictures.
0: Sir, I give you my word of honor that no one ever will.
3: And so it went. Our jealous boyfriend signed a confession, and the whole case was closed before the morning edition, and no one ever mentioned our names, which, when you've done something really stupid, is about as big a win as you can possibly ask for. We had some cash in our pockets, and our book writer seemed about as pleased as a man can be with the value he had received for his money, and it wasn't hard to see why. A few months later, he sent us both copies of his masterpiece, Blind Man's Bluff, the story of a sightless witness to a murder, and the gruff but heroic Comanche Indian police detective who saw justice done. Because a little learning is a very dangerous thing indeed, my friends. It really is.
2: Black Jack Justice, episode 60, The Learner's Permit, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Stephen Burley, Hans Messerschmidt, Peter Nickel, Scott Moyle, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure.
4: There are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families. One is simply to clean your hands often. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody.